0: This is Julio Rodriguez and this is the Lookout Landing podcast.
1: What is this tape?
2: This is my favorite tape.
1: Huge news everybody landing podcast where I am properly jazzed up, I would say, to talk about the Seattle Mariners this week because Jerry Depoto, bless his heart, went out and made some frickin' moves. And I think that the sort of the energy wattage coming out of me could solve a lot of issues in the world right now. So we're really <laughs> we're really on a good pace. Uh, joined as always by Kate Preuser and John Troopin, who I'm sure are equally as stoked as I am about the state of the Mariners' off-season acquisitions.
2: I'm the it's-all-happening gif guy right now. Like, There's so much nothing. It's something. Whee!
1: There's like eight-somethings. That's great.
0: Yeah. No, it's a, it was pretty rough going there. And, you know, this isn't huge, but God damn it, it's something.
1: Right. It is relievers. I guess we should temper people's expectations if they haven't seen the news yet. I don't Um, know
2: why people are so down on reliever. I mean, maybe it's just that I have low expectations, and maybe it's that we literally signed exactly who I wanted to sign. Uh, So I am still just bouncing on a golden bubble of happiness all day today. Uh, But I think relievers are fun, like especially considering... I don't know. Since I had to recap so many of those games in 2020 and so many of them were bullpen meltdowns, I might be a little more excited than the average person, but I'm excited.
1: Yeah, it's a weird thing, certainly, because like relievers by nature pitch less innings than anyone else on the team, but they also pitch the most important ones a lot of the time. So like they are needed for sure. Like Modern baseball proves this to us every October. You need relievers to win, but also I think just by the pecking order of baseball players, like it goes everyday position players, starting pitchers, then relievers in terms of like, oh, I'm excited to see these guys around. Except for, unless you have like a 2018 Edwin Diaz situation, but like middle relievers, I think just inherently are not going to get people that excited. I think
0: the nice thing is it's the easiest spot for the Mariners to very obviously improve, right? Like all, all these spots around the, you know, the position players, you know, plenty of improvement could come, but that's got to kind of come internally for a lot of the spots. And the rotation, frankly, was pretty solid. But the like gap between the Mariners having not just like a good bullpen, but like an average bullpen and them having what they had last year, that's a 500 or better team if they are literally exactly what they were last year but but managed to have a good or a decent bullpen so you know it is it is exciting and i think it is nice to see them targeting i mean this is gonna be an interesting bullpen like a lot of heat a lot of interesting pitches um yeah I, i i think it's it's solid
2: personalities some personalities too which is what i like in my players
1: Yeah, we're set up for an all-gas, no-breaks bullpen. It's going to be great. Uh, Let's actually tell people what happened because we have not mentioned their names yet. Uh, The Mariners (laughs) DFA'd our guy, Philip Irvin. uh, Connor's guy.
2: RIP for Connor uh, Donovans. I got his name right, right?
1: That is his name. Yes.
2: I always mess it up with his screen name, Kenner Connor. Um, Oh sure Yeah as like an LL They're just close enough that I always say one wrong Uh, But Connor was Our big staff booster Of Philip Irvin Um, Definitely someone we're still watching on waivers To see what happens with him Because um, There were some really intriguing Like underlying parts of him But he's definitely a piece I would want like On a minor league deal Not taking up a spot on the 40 man
1: Yeah can't wait for Connor to find out you don't know his name either. That's going to be great. Um, Shut up. It
2: just came out. Have you ever had that happen to you where you say something? I think it's because I've been, I, I mean, not to spoil it, but I've been working with Keenan Middleton's name all day, which for a long time I spelled as Kenyon and couldn't understand, like, why he wouldn't come up in my Twitter searches and stuff. But then I learned it. His Twitter handle is... Uh, la llave, which means the key in Spanish, so it's easy to remember. But yeah, every, everybody's going to have to get that right. It's Keenan, not Kenyan.
1: Correct. Yeah, that is the man that the Mariners signed uh, today. Today being Wednesday the 16th to replace Philip Irvin on the roster. Uh, Middleton is a 27-year-old Portland native, which is fun, who's been sort of erratic throughout his career. High walk numbers, but also high strikeout numbers, which kind of comes from what John was saying, which is that he throws pretty hard. Uh, It's a one-year $800,000 deal, so very modest deal for a guy who is very promising he's like very
2: close to what he should have earned in arbitration if not maybe a little under that like right they the angels just let him walk basically
1: so i believe we got a
2: i believe we got a question asking not a question but can we just have an lol angels on the pod so here it is lol angels
1: well, yes, thank you, Nick Tucker, for that. What I was going to say is, because I did my Middleton research before this, and he had Tommy John in May 2018, which is pretty standard, like nothing lol angels about that yet, but then he suffered a setback about a year into his rehab process, which I just went ahead and chalked up to the angels, and their like truly embarrassing history of keeping pitchers healthy.
2: 100, oh, hundo p, I believe, as the kids would say. <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, the injury also kind of limited him. Uh, 2017 is when he got his most consistent action. He got 58.1 innings with a 3.86 ERA and 25.6 strikeout rate. So, the year in which he pitched the most, he struck out a quarter of the hitters he saw, which is great. And then the Tommy John happened, and he was limited to 16 innings in 2018, then 11 innings in 2019, and 13 in the shortened covid season he did also get sent to the alternate site at one point in 2020 so he kind of cratered at the perfect time for the mariners to scoop him up which i think is great it might have been part of his plan because he did call signing with the mariners a no-brainer given the location he's a northwest guy as i said uh the direction they're headed and also his relationship with jerry depoto who drafted him when jerry was in anaheim so yeah. very exciting stuff
0: uh i like the DePoto also, or rather, Middleton also mentioned having been, you know, he was drafted out of Lane Community College uh, one year after coming out of high school. Third round pick, like a pretty, pretty decent, like, high level pick on him. And he, I think was, he noted, like, he thought of himself still as more of a basketball guy and, like, was not necessarily... You know, I, I think his his sort of pitching development has been a very interesting one. You know, he was a top 100 pick in, in 2013. Um, and he's he's only been a reliever uh, back to 2016. Um, and yeah, like had that one year in 2017 where he got sort of a normal amount of time and was, you know, pretty decent. But he, he's really only had, he, he's really only now kind of finally back on... Uh, I think his full health and potentially full uh, opportunity to go uh, sort of be a 60 to 80 innings reliever, uh, which, you know, the Mariners are going to have a ton of really interesting people in the in the middle and the back of the bullpen, which was not the case last year.
2: Yeah, with Middleton, I talked about this a little bit in our blurb, and we're going to have something um, upcoming from Mikey that dives a little more deeply into Middleton's arsenal. Um, But he is back up velocity wise to where he was prior to the TJ surgery and actually has added a couple ticks up since where he was. So I think he's like pretty comfortably 96 pushing 97. I remember seeing him in 2017 at in spring training. And I was like, ah, crap. This guy's in the division. Like, he's going to be such a pain to deal with. Like, he looks really nasty. I am not excited about watching him dominate our hitters for the next few years. And then it was weird. Like, uh, he just never kind of put it all together in the way that I thought. Like, he'd show these flashes, but there was just not that consistency. Which, again, I do think you can kind of tack up to chalk up to poor development like whatever was going wrong whatever the struggles were he wasn't getting the kind of instruction that was helping him unlock what's in his arm it reminds me a lot of austin adams uh, although that was more of like just kind of mixing up his pitch mix and having him throw that death slider more and maybe sharpening it a little and i know you said john that you think uh, Middleton slider could use some work he's also got a really interesting change up that he gets a lot of whiffs on he has some trouble with command but again we know that the the Mariners can really work with it. I just I love this signing it's huge upside and then him being a Northwest kid is really what seals the deal for me fills the Taylor Williams hole in my heart because I was pretty sad to lose him um. I checked his Instagram, like, an hour after, and he'd already, like, changed it, <laughs> changed his profile picture to him in the Mariner's, like, Photoshop uniform, posted a <laughs> picture of him at, outside the Kingdom or uh, maybe Safeco as a little kid, like, wearing his hat Griffy style and, you know, the whole nine yards. So, that's, that, that's just icing on the cake for me. Plus, he throws super hard.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it also helps, like, if he's good, you know he the Mariners get him in his arbitration years so they should have up to I think three years of uh, Keenan Middleton on this contract which would be sweet you know basically you want a guy to play well enough to make that uh, you know worthwhile Um, and and I think especially in that call up like he was pretty much thrust into high leverage work yeah, almost immediately because the Angels had so little, you know, they had a similar issue with uh, Justin Anderson. Uh, I was just going to bring up Anderson yeah, because who? he
2: was the next in the in what I have realized yeah. is a pattern of me looking at Angels relievers and then like, oh, crap, this guy's going to be a problem. Right. It was Justin Anderson. Then it was Ty Buttery. Like, mm-hmm. and all of them have kind of flamed out. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Cam I mean, Bedrosian, where Cam you at? Cam <laughs> Bedrosian was
0: right before. Him. Yeah, no, abs- I mean, exactly. Like, you know, and and it's not to say, like, there isn't still potential for these guys. But, like, you know, Hansel Robles, another one who was, like, a waiver claim. And absolutely had legitimate streaks of being excellent. But then last year, you know, really struggled. And, and you know, that's kind of the nature of relievers. I don't know that you can put that on... The Angels entirely, but the fact that they have had consistently so many struggles because, or or in in addition to having just call guys up and okay, you got a live arm. How about we close? Have you go you know go close? Uh, Because we are in August and we don't have anyone better, and you got your first you know three innings in and they were good. You know, I think hopefully this is a better situation for him to thrive.
1: Yeah, I was going to mention that high leverage thing and looking just at his numbers on FanGraphs, And in 2017, his rookie season, they were like, you can close. And they gave him like the opportunity to close as a rookie on a team that was like ostensibly competing. Obviously, the Angels kind of fall apart every year, but like at the beginning of the season, they always think they're in it. And they're like, yeah, Keenan Middleton, go out and close. So he got three saves in 2017 as a rookie. And then I think they weaned him off that role. But then in 2018, brought him back to that role and he got six saves so like always i have no idea what the angels are doing uh i'm looking at like their history of closers since k-rod and it's just it's so bad like houston street had a good year but he was also like real close to washed, and then kind of flamed out. You guys remember Ernesto Frieri? He was like also kind of good, but like also not really a oh, real yeah. am solution. I, am
0: yeah. I correct in remembering Ernesto Frieri, uh, former Mariners great? Who was the guy who the Mariners <laughs> brought into? <Tacoma? laughs> I think you're right.
1: I
2: I don't remember Frieri.
0: Um, uh, give me a sec. Are, are you thinking of
2: Joaquin yourselves. Benoit? I feel like no, you're no,
0: always no, no, thinking no. of Joaquin I'm not, Benoit. No, this no, was John, the I'm Mariners with you. Signed in Tacoma, I think in yeah. twenty eighteen, oh. but then didn't actually ever yep. call up.
1: Twenty seventeen they purchased him from the Rangers and he never played for the Mariners big club, but he was in the system. Ooh.
0: Thank you. Ooh. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. That's so yeah, a, I'm glad
1: I'm basically just glad that we've rescued Keenan Middleton from becoming one of those guys. Like, oh remember that guy the Angels had? No. Like hopefully he can just be like an actual piece for the Mariners rather than like a footnote in their divisional history.
2: I feel like it is important also to bring up that part of the reason that the Angels might have let Middleton walk is he did not ingratiate himself with the Angels fan base uh, kind of towards towards the end of his tenure there. Matthew, did you read up on this? Do you do you know I'm this only aware of it
1: from like what you've brought up, but I think you should give the people a full a full history of it. Uh, all
2: right. Well, he tweeted something about how uh obviously the stadiums were empty in 2020 said something to the effect of like the loudest i've ever heard at angel stadium and angel fans were appropriately very red assed about that they took those (laughs) red jerseys and just transferred them right to the astacular region and uh went after middleton on twitter to the point where he locked it which i'm kind of sad about i feel like he could have dealt some good blows but maybe he will unlock now that he is safely with the Mariners. And uh, I just feel like this is setting up a really great heel turn for him. A little extra, a a little extra spice. Every time we, we face the angels, obviously we hate the angels. I hate the angels. I just, I hate them as a franchise, as a fan base. I hate everything about them. I hate Mike Trout's stupid face, even though I recognize his greatness, whatever. But anyway, I am really excited for some good, you know, the Mariners have been sleepy. We've been bad, we've been dormant, like the past two years, there's been very little like to kind of get all hit up about. And this really paves the way for some, so I just, I'm, I'm picturing myself already getting mad slash, uh, gloating online. I'm just really, this is maybe the most exciting off season development yet. The idea of getting back into red-assery.
1: And there's the potential for another one, too. We got another reliever from a division rival in uh, Rafael Montero. Welcome to the team. A trade acquisition from the Rangers, who I think we all agree we don't have like a hatred for as much as just like a general confusion I have no idea what the Rangers are doing and it's been that way since like they were quasi competing in like the middle part of the decade you know when they would lose to the Blue Jays every year in the playoffs I have no idea what they've been (laughs) doing since then and this kind of only continues it although they did target uh, one of Kate's pet prospects 17 year old pitcher Jose Cornel was sent to the Rangers along with a player to be named later in exchange for a 30 year old reliever Rafael Montero uh kate what are you first of all tell the people about jose corneal um as you're probably the only person qualified to talk about him
2: no not not the only person by a long shot but i mean i liked corneal quite a bit he's big he's you know physically developed for 17 he's a huge kid um he had pretty good command for a. International signing, a uh, young kid, and I, yeah, I just I looked at him and I thought he was going to be a pretty quick mover in the system, and uh, I guess the Rangers got a pretty good look at him when he was playing in the fall development league because he was playing against them, and so I think there that is no coincidence that he was the the name they wanted i don't love this move i'm gonna be honest i'm the low one on it everyone else is like much happier about it than i am i am a little confused as to how a 30 year old reliever fits our window of contention um and why jose corneal who they've invested kind of some significant time in is at least in his development is uh is out the door and there's a player to be named later which i'm uh, we don't know who that is yet, but that's also kind of unpleasant, hanging over the organization's head. So I don't love it. Feels a lot like the the moves that we saw when Depoto was still trying to build a contending club in like 2016, 17, and it was just like trading out these pieces of the farm in order to get, bring in the Nick Rumbelos and David Phelpses of the world. and. Yeah, just that all that left maybe, Montero will probably be fine, and it'll wash all memories of that away. Please, please let it wash all memories of Nick Rumbelow away from me. But uh, I, I'm not, I'm not thrilled. I'm thrilled about Middleton, so that is what's taking up space in my heart right now. But uh, yeah, I didn't, I, I, I didn't totally get the move. I don't get it for Texas either because I'm really confused about what they're doing why are they trading for more arms they have so many arms uh i'm i'm utterly baffled by that system right now
0: i think for texas it is it's the type of move that you i mean i would normally expect more at a deadline when when you're sort of like know where you're team is headed but they may finally be recognizing like all right we need to we need to at least do a soft reset or something because they're just they've been all over the place but, but they
2: have so many arms they have so many Jose sure, Corneals you could
0: never have enough I right? guess like, I, I think they're one of the teams that runs multiple DSL teams anyway yes. so yeah like which I don't understand why the Mariners wouldn't but they don't um Anyway, the I think the upshot for Seattle is yes, he's a, you know Montero is a thirty-year-old reliever. He's probably going to make around two and a half million this year. I think the the most challenging part for me is not so much the cost because I think it is a reasonable return pending what the player to be named later is. Like that makes sense as a trade. It's just a little bit confusing of like what does this particular player bring you that is not available in the free agent market um you know is kirby yates going to cost so much more um and and maybe maybe he does like but, Trinan,
2: who you know. might still be signable I'm, he was linked to the mariners but. right
0: i mean i think i think there's plenty of reason to think they would still be in on someone like Trinan. but i do think like Trinan has a decent track record like probably would still get eight to 10 million so i can see why montero who is i mean steamer projects him to be a top 30 relief pitcher well literally the 30th best relief pitcher in baseball um right in sort of like with the rays diego castillo with devin williams who was the rookie of the year in the nl this year uh with uh you know kirby yates himself specifically um so he's he's There's a lot to like. Like, Montero has been very good since he's been in the bullpen. uh, Or or at least quite good since he's been in the bullpen. And there's enough to think he would continue to be quite good. Um, Throws hard multiple pitches. He's got a four-seam sinker. uh, Sort of an odd slider. And and he's a change-up centered guy. But um, I hope Seattle sort of picks one. Uh, in terms of his fastballs, because that generally seems to help guys really excel. But, you know, I like that they're going for someone like Montero. I just would either rather see them pay money for it, since then you don't lose prospects, or I'd like to see, you know, this be the first of several moves. Because if you're getting a guy who's only going to be under contract for two years, you want to start adding pieces to really make this not just like a very fringe contender but like uh you don't have to squint to see this team at least being a wild card team
1: yeah you know what i'm excited about is the potential to essentially get another former mets prospect <laughs> on the seattle mariners cuz Montero came true. up with the mets he was a, a highly touted guy in the in the noah Syndergaard era they were like coming up together at the same time if i'm not mistaken uh, which it's...
0: The most, I think, the the very notable thing on Montero is always that he was like the big deal starting pitching prospect, while Jacob Degrom was like kind of the afterthought, and they debuted back to back against the Yankees. Actually, I believe in a inner wow. in, in, in uh, yeah, and uh, Montero's fates did not turn into multi Cy Young Hall of Fame caliber pitcher unfortunately but could still be a very good reliever and that's that could work out
1: yeah if the people at home want to get excited along with me check out Montero's numbers from 2017 his last year with the Mets and then 2019 first year with the Rangers uh graded him as a 1.3 war reliever in 2017 which is pretty I guess he was kind of half in the starting rotation half in the bullpen but then 2019 as a full-time reliever with the Rangers, 30% strikeout rate and 10.55 strikeouts per nine innings. So this is like we've been saying the whole time, we're building like a, a fire station in the bullpen. It's just going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of velocity, which is exciting, even if it doesn't work, you know, like obviously we want it to work, but at least we're not getting like dudes to throw 89 and like try to paint the corners. Like this is going to be Full-on balls-to-the-wall power, which is kind of exciting, even if, like I said, it blows up in their face.
2: Well, I mean, we've still got Sam Delaplane in there, Sammy D, uh, who's throwing, like, 91, 92, but just from a very difficult angle and mixing it with... Some, so, imagine, getting, <laughs> imagine going from, like, Keenan Middleton to Sam Delaplane to... Montero or like Andres Munoz or Johan Ramirez or something. That's fun. That's fun to think about.
1: Yeah. Get on board, folks. Also, I do think Montero, as of right now, at least probably will be the closer. He was the Rangers closer, I guess, closer in kind of quotes because it was 2020. He finished with eight saves, which led the team. But uh, I think as of right now, he's the one that like projects as the most traditional closer, uh, especially with the Taylor Williams void. Yeah, uh, that was left when he left. So I
2: don't know. I'm I'm still on the Middleton for closer train. Um, I mean, I
1: would like that too. I just feel like, but like, I, there's
2: Munoz. There's if Ramirez can ever figure it out, put it together. I mean, there are so many. I don't. I don't know who the closer will be, but I assume that it's somewhere in the bullpen, unless they go out and sign Trin- Trinan in
0: Yeah, I yeah. actually do think that. The, at least, opening day closer still is not yet on the roster. Um, I, That's I, what I'm hoping for, for yeah. sure. Uh, not because, you know, because I do think they have good relievers, but, like, they had a couple good relievers in the past. Like, 2019, 2018, even, they had some good relievers. But what they've had is a couple good relievers who they bring in when they're doing okay you know, when they're when they're leading, and then at least, like, 2018, right, it was like they had Colomay and Edwin Diaz, and then they basically, any game they weren't winning, it was like, well, we're going to lose this by 12, because we're just bringing in, you know, Chase and Bradford to eat these innings. Casey and, Fine! Right, and, like, that's, yeah, exactly, and, like, that's, you know, it's fine, but it's also, like you're not going to peel off many extra you know many comeback wins if you're down 5-3 and you can't keep it 5-3 right like if you're down 5-3 and you bring in you know Eric Swanson who I you know still could be good but like has been bad and you know suddenly it's 8-3 you're losing every time you know you it it matters no matter whether you're a good team or a bad team to have a good bullpen and if they're trying to be a good team this year, that is a really great way for them to, to stay in games and, and get those extra wins. I'm
2: yeah. excited. So let's to... Go to some... Oh, sorry.
1: No, it's all good. I was going to say, let's go to some questions because we've been kind of hitting on stuff that people specifically asked about. Sounds good. Uh, Br- Brandon Keba on Twitter uh noted Middleton Montero now possibly Trinan is there a strategy underway to bring in bullpen arms with somewhat of a scouting pulse on the division and then specifically mentions Chris Devensky as another potential add uh I would be okay with Devensky, like John said I kind of prefer for relievers especially you might as well just spend money rather than spend prospects absolutely um, so yeah like take a shot yeah. you know especially with someone who's been as proven as Devensky. I feel like he's been like capital G good for like three years now which also I guess could kind of go the other way where you're like well regression is surely coming but I think like Jerry has clearly shown like we're going for it in terms of relievers so yeah another Chris Davinsky or another Blake Trinan isn't gonna like completely sink the ship at least I hope not you know so yeah why not go get Chris Davinsky I don't know if necessarily they have like a, a priority on getting AL West relievers but I mean, like Brandon mentioned in his question, like they probably do have a decent scouting idea of how good these guys are just having seen them so many times over the last couple of years.
2: I mean, I think with the a l west you're dealing with you're dealing with Oakland, who has i think pretty good relievers, pretty good pitching development good at getting a lot out of the relievers that they have uh you're dealing with at at least good at transforming guys you may not have heard of into like, here's Liam Hendricks and he's all of a sudden like one of the best closers in baseball. Like it was the same thing that they did with Trina and then they get too expensive for Oakland to keep around. Um, so yeah, you're dealing with kind of a factory in, in that. Then the Astros, obviously pitching development is kind of their forte. So you like anything that's come out of there. And then with and the, with Anaheim and the Rangers, I, I don't know what the deal with the Rangers is or if they're good at developing pitching or not. I think the Rangers are really good at finding interesting pitchers. I don't know if they're good at keeping those pitchers interesting. Um, they identify them well, but I don't, I don't know if they develop them well. And then the Angels are a disaster. So... You've got some pretty ripe grounds for scouting for for scouting from and for signing from, uh, just because of the various. I I'm not sure. I mean, I would have to think through the rest of the divisions and think if any present as many like opportunities as the A.L. West does. But I I would be hard pressed to name a division that does.
1: I also, um, John, you mentioned the P word being playoffs, and we have a question about that from Nick Fielden, who said with a bullpen rapidly rising the rankings into the low 20s, an offense in the 20s, a hopefully decent starting rotation and a good (laughs) defense, how large a playoff field do you think the M's need to make the playoffs? Which could also be interpreted as, like, if they keep the expanded playoff format we saw in 2020, can the Mariners make the playoffs? I feel like probably like that's kind of a cop-out obviously I'm not going to say yes or no but it's not out of the question like at least they've addressed the one glaring issue that sort of held them back last year and obviously there's going to be a lot more games like a lot more opportunity to ruin things but I mean the AL like it's not out of the question I think you know there's obviously it's very top heavy still like the Yankees are still going to be amazing and all that and like the Rays are the Rays every year but there's kind of like a A spot to be taken in that sort of second tier of the AL wildcard teams you know what I mean
0: absolutely the I think the sort of best looking teams at least in 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 my eye well it it, the best looking teams I think the Astros are still there as well like the Yankees obviously like you mentioned and the A's and the Rays and whatnot but like basically i think seattle is going to be clawing with the angels the blue jays and potentially if they keep adding things the royals for that sort of last uh wild card spot i think you know based on the 2020 uh sort of size of the playoff field um doesn't feel great because it's, it's you know, a no guarantee of a home game playoff setup. Although I guess maybe it'll be different. Who knows? No one knows. Uh, amazing. MLB really bang up job. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's not out of the question by any stretch because, you know, you'll really... What, what they're basically looking for is a lot of internal improvement from a ton of young players. And that's a really reasonable bet oftentimes sometimes it doesn't happen and then you have you know the rangers of the last several years or the phillies of the last you know several years where it's like there's a really young core here but just because players are young doesn't mean that they're guaranteed to get better but you know most of the time if you're doing a good job and you have good development and you've picked good players that is a recipe for sort of overachieving and taking and you know taking a step. So I, I think it's promising.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And then uh, Stan at Mariners Pain Love uh, brought up an interesting point, which is now that the, the Mariners do have like a lot of guys, you know, it's like you said, it's not guaranteed that they're all going to be good, but we have a lot of bullpen guys now. Stan lists. Mishevich, Graveman, Sadler, Middleton, Montero, Munoz, Brennan, Swanson, Gerber, Delaplane, Fletcher, Mills, Ramirez, Newsom, and Justin Dunn with a question mark next to it. Uh, Leading to, I think, a logical thought. Do we start packaging a few to condense the traffic jam? DFA some of them? What's the most realistic bullpen come opening day? Um, I think, obviously, you can put some of those guys in the minors. But he does bring up sort of an interesting point, which is like now you have people to deal especially if you get to the middle of the season I feel like every team is always looking for a bullpen whether it's from the top end like a you know if they want to deal a actual big league guy or if they want to throw three of the minor league guys into one package and get something for him I don't have like a lot of attachment to any of these guys really I think that we've seen um, a couple sort of rise to the top whereas like The Swansons and, you know, the Casey Sadlers aren't really, like, pieces. So I think if they're going to get rid of any of them, I mean, Casey Sadler probably is the first to go if they were just to chop some of the fat off of this group. But it's also kind of a good problem to have. You know what I mean? Like, I'm happy that the Mariners have ten names that Stan can list rather than, like, three and then a bunch of question marks the rest of the way.
0: Yeah, they're, they're in a spot where they have the, like, fourth relievers out of the bullpen now potentially being in the minors and that's really solid that is i mean it's just a solid baseline and if they do in fact keep adding which i think they will uh, yeah you know i think you're looking at montero middleton uh graveman probably hopefully will vest their you know the the rule five i think mishevitz earned sort of the first crack at the gate um, and then you kind of look at brennan or really you, you know gerber you know whoever shows up in over the winter having looked the best you know i think it is fine and now you can because you successfully you know worked johan ramirez through the winter you can keep or through the through the shortened season rather you can have johan ramirez in triple a which is where he probably should be for a little bit more to work on things uh, you know with the understanding that he is going to be very hopefully part of the, you know, part of the next bullpen, uh, you know, soon, but like he was very exciting and also skated a very thin line of ice. So yeah, I, I, I think there's, yeah, I think we'll add a couple more pieces and I think, you know, maybe you have Nick Margaviches in there again as like what he was starting 2020 where he was like the swing guy. Um, and I think that's useful especially with the six-pitcher rotation.
2: Yeah, I'll be very excited to see um some of the guys who I thought were being over like challenged, which is a nice way to say it, uh back to the minors to get their minors time in. Um even Gerber I think was not as as dominant as we saw him in double A. Um and I think it was really good for him to get this exposure and kind of figure out what works against major league hitters and what doesn't and what doesn't fool them. But just the fact that he didn't have that time in triple a and not every guy needs that. Not, a, not every reliever needs it. Certainly. I think Mishevitz is maybe at the point where we don't need to see any more from him at, from triple a, I would just throw him on the big league roster and see if he can stick, which yeah, grudgingly, I must admit he has so far and, and, he's- and seems like he will.
1: Also, one of the few lefties. Like you got to have at least one right. lefty in the bullpen. Got to so, have the lefties. Well, the we have all our lefties
2: lefties in the starting rotation. So
1: that's true. Yeah, it is a weird kind of split that they have. But I also like it's good to have competition. You know, Pete Carroll would be thrilled about the Mariners bullpen situation. Right. Like they have legitimately like fourteen guys competing for probably eight or nine spots.
0: I I think there's a lot of value in what the Mariners have done in many cases where it's like, we're going to ask something of you as a prospect. And if you achieve that, you get to move up. Yeah. And I think at the same time, there is still a good amount of value of like, make your prospects beat out and, and beat down the door so that they have, you know, they can't be ignored to play at the big league level. Um, And, you know, I don't know how much that's going to happen for the position player group, but it certainly doesn't hurt to have that in a, in a bullpen. Um, I also think they have a lot of guys with, you know, Brandon Brennan is one, Montero is another with his sinker. Um, if they get in, he's another who really give lefties the business because they have such hard sinking movement away from left-handed hitters uh, with their fastballs and changeups, So... That at least can help mitigate the lack of uh, lefty relievers somewhat.
1: Absolutely. Well, good news, folks. The news train powers on. Uh, Thank you, Based Divish, (laughs) our favorite grump at the Seattle Times, for dropping a bunch of news on us today, not just the the Montero trade and the Middleton signing, but also stuff about some of the internal guys. So we can just go through all of it. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on it as well as inform the people in case they're not on Twitter or following the Mariners every move like we are. Uh, let's start with two guys that I think are pretty easy to forget about or at least forget how good they've shown they can be. Uh, big news on Tom Murphy and Mitch Haniger. They are both essentially fully healthy. Uh, Divish said they should be ready to go for Opening Day 2021. Uh, we've talked about Haniger on past episodes. You guys talked to his trainer about his sort of workout regimen and everything else. But what do you expect from Tom Murphy? Uh, I feel like he had. It's not even. I feel like he had one good year at the big league level, which to his credit was very good, especially for a catcher. But you know, he seems like. If anyone is gonna regress, it's probably gonna be Tom Murphy. I think him just being back is a win in itself, but I don't know. I have pretty mild expectations for the Tom Murphy uh, Renaissance in 2021. What do y'all think?
2: Yeah, I agree. I feel like it is just asking so much of the baseball gods to have both Austin Nola and Tom Murphy turn out to be improbably good. Like it just—it feels like the law of averages says. That, no, you can't take two kind of career minor leaguers who picked up catching late and all of a sudden have them both blossom into like well above average major leaguers. Like that is a fantasy world. I would laugh very hard if it happened and be delighted and argue that Tony Arnorich, the Mariners catching coordinator, should get a big raise, um, which I think he's a pretty great catching coordinator to begin with. So Hopefully they compensate him as such. But yeah, I mean, for me, the, the, the troubling parts are the, the strikeout percentage for Murphy. I just don't know how sustainable that is. Um, but you know, he's just got to keep a, keep Cal Raleigh's seat warm for the next year or so while our beef boy figures out how to deal with breaking balls.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a big seat for Cal.
2: <laughs> it's a it's a wide seat. It's very sturdy, needs a lot of reinforcement.
1: It's pretty funny though to think about like in a lot of ways Tom Murphy's twenty nineteen season is like largely responsible for the Mariners having Taylor Trammell now, which is so weird. Like the Mariners were like, yeah, we can get rid of Austin Nola. We got Tom Murphy. So then the Padres can give us a prospect. Like so weird to think about how literally one season from a guy who's been in the minors, his whole career never showed anything when he was with Colorado is like a little bit responsible for the Mariners getting like one of the exciting prospects that's in the system now. And Cal Raleigh too. Like you said, like he having him is helpful, but the, uh, the Tom Murphy 2019 season has many tentacles to it. More news. Uh, Ty France is expected to play nearly every day, according to his manager, Scott Service, which isn't that newsworthy. I mean, we kind of penciled him in as DH. But they also said he'll be working with Perry Hill, who also, big news, should be back in person. We uh, love work Perry his- Hill. We love we Perry do. Hill. We do. We're excited to have him back. The players, I'm sure, are thrilled to have him back. J.P. Crawford especially the speaks gold love maker. very highly of him. Yes. Um, but so Ty France getting infield work means that he can sort of be another utility guy um, if he's not just DHing every day. I think second base and third base probably make the most sense. Um, do, wh- where are you guys on Ty France? I feel like I didn't really have enough time to, like, form an opinion on him. You know what I mean? When the Mariners first got him, I just looked at his 394 or whatever it was that he put up at AAA and was like, okay, this guy can hit. And then, like, I didn't watch him consistently enough as a Mariner to, like, really make a decision. So what do you guys think about Ty France? Do you want him in the lineup every day? And if he isn't there every day, do you think he'll just be as the DH?
0: I would like him to be in the lineup every day. Uh, I think he is – Definitely one of the best nine hitters the Mariners have in their organization at the moment. Uh, So even if it is DHing, I think it's useful. But the, you know, being positionally versatile, even if you're not great at it, is still useful, right? Like Jay Bruce was not good in the outfield by the (sighs) time the Mariners had him. But the fact that, you know, he could technically play corner outfield and first base is much better than. You know, even Daniel Vogelbach, who the Mariners, you know, really had to wildly reorient things around because they just couldn't even trust him at first base. So I think for France, like, there is a limit on what athletically I think he's capable of just because his foot speed is not great. He is among the not slowest players in the league, but he's quite slow. Uh, for, a, for a big leaguer. And and he's just, you know, he's got a strong arm. But, like, if he can improve his footwork and his uh, hands, absolutely he can handle third base. And certainly I think he can handle second base if you need him. And that makes a big difference. You know, that means that takes so much pressure off his bat. And I do want to see him hit more because maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. His high bat bit doesn't make a ton of sense yet. So I'm a little skeptical on him. But... One of him, you know, I would. I, you need to figure out what you have in him and Shed Long Jr. And you don't figure that out unless they're playing constantly.
2: I don't know how I feel about Ty France yet either. I mean, I will say that like initially I was excited, but then I realized I was really just excited when he was part of the deal because Joe was so excited and Joe had been hammering the Ty France to Seattle drum for so long. And then I looked into his stuff and I was like, well, he's kind of meh. Like he doesn't really have a position, uh, pretty limited defensively. He doesn't have a ton of, a ton of power, but he's got some power. Like he's just kind of fine at a lot of different things. Uh, but then I realized what a pleasure it was to watch Ty France take a an at bat. And it is after even watching Daniel Vogelback at bats, which were so frustrating. So frustrating to watch, like so frustrating for him to get in an 0-2 hole, then like watch a meatball pitch sail by or work a good count and then watch a meatball pitch sail by and then wind up like striking out or grounding out. It was just, uh, I felt bad for him, but it was, it was not pleasant to watch. And obviously as the home runs fell off, like kind of so did the fun of the vogue experience. So the Ty France experience is not as, like, loud. It's not going to be, you know, hitting bombs all the way up to the upper deck of safe, uh, sorry, T-Mobile Park. Um, but it is much more pleasant to watch him take an at-bat. He can really work a count and makes good swing decisions. And, you know, he, I, I think Ty France is really good at doing a lot with what he has. And honestly, I like that kind of player. I just, I feel like I'm waiting for myself to like Ty France more.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. I think you run into the challenge of what does he sort of you know how how do you be this type of player where you don't necessarily have immense amount of power, but you don't have great defensive versatility, right? You have to find a way to either have you know, it's just such a narrow pathway to success to be that type of player to be that like high average, high babip, but not very fast guy? It's a lot to ask for him to remain that,
1: yeah. I also don't love the idea of him having to turn double plays, like second base seems like a tall ask for him, but the Mariners have a plan for that kind of. Uh, Scott Service also made some waves saying that Dylan Moore and Shed Long Jr. will compete. For the second base position which is interesting i feel like for me my thoughts on that when i read that were okay it's probably better if shed wins it because i feel like morris value comes from being a utility guy i like being able to plug him in anywhere depending on the day the matchups and all that but if shed wins that means that he's a fully healed uh b looks good at the plate and then C gives the Manners kind of an organizational like development win. Like when they acquired him, I think they thought he was going to be the everyday second baseman at some point, and they we saw a little bit of that when he was healthy. But to have him come back and like claim that would be a huge win for Shed and the organization while allowing Dylan Moore to kind of roam around. But then that also kind of makes him – And Ty France redundant. So the Mariners, again, have that problem of having like too many guys for not enough spots. But I also just, my love of Shedlong makes me hopeful for him to win that position back and like be a second baseman of the future. Although I think we've also, there's comfort in knowing that Dylan Moore can handle it, you know? So I guess it's kind of like a a non problem problem. But for me personally, I'm hoping that Shedlong is the Mariners' second baseman in 2021. What do y'all think?
2: Um, what do I think? I think I am pausing here because right now there are two warring factors inside me and it is my love for Shed Long on a personal level battling my love slash bemusement over Dylan Moore, uh, plus the fact that I like watching him play baseball more. Uh, yeah. I just, I, I think maybe Shed's Shed's best days have are yet to come and... And maybe I will shift around on this in the future. I do. I mean, the the ultimate ideal, right, is Shedlong playing second base, playing well enough to have won that spot. And Dylan Moore really living his truth as a super utility player, just being all over the field and spelling players. Because I think it's going to be hard. Something we haven't thought about is, like, they have been on not quite as much of a pandemic layoff as the rest of us, but it is going to be hard for these guys to get back into 162 game season shape. And we're seeing that already with pitchers. I think the Mariners might've exploited something in signing Chris Flexen, who is one of the very few pitchers on the planet who has something approaching a normal workload in 2020. Um, So I I think guys, I think guys are going to get fatigued and they're going to need time off. And I had hoped MLB would keep like the slightly expanded rosters, maybe just for a little while. Um, But yeah, I I think that's going to be something to watch. And it's most useful to have Dylan Moore just kind of flying around, filling in those places. So that's the ultimate ideal. There is a rock in my stomach that says that Shed will struggle and... Dylan Moore will wind up being the everyday second baseman. I don't like totally. that feeling, but
1: that No, I agree with everything you're saying, but like what I was getting at is like if Shed wins the second base battle, like that means that he's doing well enough, you know what I mean? Like I don't want them to just give him the job. Sure, I want sure, him to no. earn it, yes. which would then be like, okay, yeah, Shed is back to playing baseball well. Cuz yes. I like I can admit that like he's been bad. Like there's yeah. no doubt about it. He was not a good-looking prospect when no. he was on the field. No. But he also like the other thing is, if he does play himself back into like passable shape, he's a very interesting trade candidate if someone wants to take on a project, true, you know?
2: True. I wonder too how much the injury, if it was a, what, what was the injury again? It was a. He
1: had a broken bone in his foot that he didn't tell anyone about.
2: Yes, which bad job, Shed. Bad job. Uh, but I wonder if any of it was a stress fat fracture kind of like what happened with tom murphy which is something that starts small and just gets worse and worse and worse over time um so could be something that has to do with, uh, that that could have affected his level of play too i would love for a fully healthy shed to charge into spring training and just rest that second base job away
1: 100 percent. can we entertain another idea real quick from uh Chris DeBoli on Twitter, who mentions correctly, like, yeah, good job, Chris. The Mariners lineup is looking pretty right-handed heavy, especially with the news of Murphy and Hanegar. Who do you see them targeting as a veteran left-handed bat this offseason? And buckle up, folks. Why is it Brad Miller? (laughs) Uh (laughs) That's Kate hissing at you, Chris.
2: (laughs) Or uh, that's just the connection. Connection fizzed out. Didn't hear what you just said. Gonna assume that you said, uh, I don't know who's Colton
1: Wong. Yeah, Colton, Colton Wong, Wong. Great idea, yes, Chris. Yes,
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I, no, I don't, a man cannot stand in the same river twice, so I do not think there will be, uh, there will be it's anything. absolutely not Brad yeah. Miller, but that
1: is a hilarious question. I
2: love that on Lookoutlanding.com right now, people are just basically acting like David Dahl is a Mariner. Like, he never signed that deal with Texas. And, like, I think there's a good segment of our readership that's expecting David Dahl to show up to spring training in a Mariner's uniform. Or, like, I don't know, maybe a contingent of readers will... Kidnap him from the Tex techs- from uh, the Ranger Spring Training Complex and drive him the forty minutes across the desert to Peoria. Who knows? Uh, I would. I cannot uh, legally endorse any of those things, but do it. Uh, I love Dahl as a as a, as a fit. Honestly, um, there were some worrying some worrying trends in his batted ball data, but I. I thought he would have been an excellent fit, and he bats left-handed, and he can play outfield. And I just, I don't know. Um, but I feel like we're getting—we don't want to put anyone in that in that Jared Kelnick spot, right? Like, I just the 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 hole is there for Jared Kelnick, and we're just gonna fill it with like not Jared Kelnicks until he's had whatever bullshit number of days they need to say he's had in Double A, and they can bring right. him up. So.
1: Well That was kind of the Philip Irvin thing. I'll never forget the summer of twenty twenty, waking up every day and thinking, is Philip Irvin or Jose Marmalejos getting the start? Tonight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um
0: I mean, the like Do we want to just have that be a non spot until until we called up Jared Kelnick though? Like you know the if you're trading for Rafael Montero like you know not like oh this is a huge sell the farm thing but like you're making shorter term moves like how reasonable is it to kind of punt a month with a bad you know one obviously bad position player right like they got to either sign someone or decide they're going to bring Kelnick up i mean it, like right. e- even if it's you know i mean the like ultra-boring options out there, like Robbie Grossman. Like, that's not exciting in the slightest. But, like, Robbie Grossman, you can stick him in left field. He'll give you, like, a average league average bat, maybe a little bit better, and he's fine. And you won't, like, you will not remember him when he leaves, but you won't be upset when he's there. Like, they could do that. I think that would be fine. Um, I, I, I just You can also don't put think- Dylan Moore in left. You can put you can Dylan Moore in left, field but for a, a month. Yeah. Absolutely, which I think is fine, but like that, that is saying you believe in shit, and I am happy to do that, I think, but uh, okay, okay. that has to be what that is. How about
2: right? this, then? Taylor Trammell. It's the Taylor Trammell no. spot,
1: then. No. I, I I, don't know if I'm ready for that. I mean, at some also point, a le- obviously, Also yes. a
2: left-handed yeah. hitter, has spent more time in AA than Jared, might be on a faster track
0: struggled like hasn't been good in double a has struggled
2: yes and has some numbers that are inflated by playing in that insane park in amarillo which is just like a bouncy house
0: yeah like sod poodles yeah like was was basically an average double a hitter and not unreasonably he was 21 roughly um you know but like he's not he, he he has not yet thrived at, against upper minors competition and it's hard to i don't know He he's a harder sell for me than just call up jared like i would believe i would agree him. with that like yeah like kelnick performed better yes he you know had some swing and miss but his some swing and miss was you know still being an above-average, you know, not, not striking out a ton. Like, I, he struck out less than 20% of the time. I guess it's like... High, which is how insane, confirming 20
2: How much do you want to sacrifice of development in order to get those wins now? Because Jared would do that. T- Trammell would not, even though I think he's further along on the development side than Kelnick, um, just as far as, like, the number of pitches he's seen in minor league right. ball, which... I, you have to turn the clock back a little on Kelnick too, because he didn't really have a minor league season. Like, watching Julio play... Julio, who I know is a very good player. Like, I've watched Julio bat. Julio's a good hitter. Really, really struggled in the in lead 'em. Um, It was... That was... And I, rightfully so. He's facing guys who were, at times, not quite double his age, although his teammate Fernando Rodney was more than twice as old as Julio. Um, but you know he's he's facing guys who have much more time, much craftier, and you know he, it was tough for him. So uh, just it, as far as seeing number of pitches, I think both those guys you gotta you gotta leave them down for a while. Um, I, I'm with you. I mean, if they if they say they want to contend, then bring someone in to who's decent enough to fill that hole who's not like Tim Lopes sorry Tim Lopes but he was rough um, the yeah, other yeah. question I have is are they gonna let Jake Fraley get out there and just tr- make do a prove it thing like show us that you can not. be what you were in AAA or not and I don't, maybe they'll bring in someone and have Fraley compete with I don't, I don't know where do you think Fraley is
1: at this point uh, I mean if I had my druthers, not part of the picture, like I would almost rather see Braden Bishop just for the defense element. Like, I don't know. I, Jake Fraley has done nothing on the baseball field to make me like excited about the idea of him playing every day. Right. I mean, that's
0: the, the challenge is if you're, if you're going with Fraley, you're having Fraley keep a seat warm, which means Fraley is not going to have the time to legitimately build much value. If you're going to trade him and if you're going to bench him, he's just not going to play. And if you're going, you know, and the more likely outcome is he continues to struggle because he's struggled a lot and, you know, hasn't yet succeeded even in AAA. Um, so I think he's still best served in Tacoma, but, you know, that means he's probably getting leapfrogged and he may not have a shot. You know, granted, he's got Kyle Lewis and Mitch Haniger who aren't paragons of health at the other outfield spots but that's uh you know that's that's it's it's hard to see how he is contributing directly to the Mariners over the next few years
2: yeah
1: it's tough scene in it but you could also just say fuck defense entirely do one year of Michael Brantley in left field gives you a left-handed hitter who will definitely contribute on offense but I think that's extremely unlikely
2: I think uh, bidding bidding for Brantley is going to be really high, too. There are some clubs who really want him, and he might be able to push some to a two-year deal, which I absolutely do not want two years of Michael Brantley. Sorry, yeah, Michael Brantley. No, I agree.
1: But uh, let's end with this. We haven't talked much about the pitching rotation. Um, Scott Service confirmed something we all kind of knew was going to happen anyway, but he said they're sticking with the six-man rotation, and then specifically said Marco, Justice Sheffield, and Kikuchi – are locked in with Dunn and Margavichis as the returnees who are like in the hunt for a spot but also now we have Chris Flexen and Ryan Divish mentioned Logan Gilbert as a candidate for the last spot Uh, I have been since ever since Kate like mentioned the thing of Flexen being like on a regular starters schedule in Korea I think that that was like part of the Mariners thought process as well and I've sort of penciled him in as that fourth starter Um, so I think that I would add Flexen to the Gonzalez Sheffield Kikuchi group. And then I think after that, like I I would not be surprised at all to see Logan Gilbert up. I don't know if it'll be on opening day, but I think that there's no one really blocking him anymore, especially if they're doing a six-man rotation. So I would be like happy about it and also I think it makes baseball sense. You know, it combines both of like my my dreams and my logic to bring Logan Gilbert up at some point. Um, and if that means, Justin Dunn in the bullpen? All right, let's see what what Justin Dunn looks like as a reliever. You know, I think there's a lot of things to play around with here, which is why I really like the six-man rotation thing. And it helps, um, as you said earlier, Kate, like ramping guys back up to a normal length season.
2: Yeah, I'm not ready to give up on Justin Dunn yet. Uh, I think Mikey just published a really interesting Michael Ajeto just published an interesting thing on the site, kind of looking at some of the tweaks that need to go on with Justin Dunn or could go on in order to maximize his pitch efficiency. He's another one who I wish had been able to spend some more time in AAA and just kind of work on refining some of his pitches, but um, maybe the fastest way for him to be a productive major leaguer is just move to the bullpen. If they're going to do that, like do it now, I guess. Um, but I'm not totally willing to give up on the dream yet. I am al- also consistently the high one on Dunn. Um, I like Nikki Marge, Nick Marjevicus as a dark horse, sixth man. Uh, this that
1: one wasn't
0: even close. Yeah, we need, to, we need to get you. A, yeah, Mark We need to get you Kate. just like you had for Keenan Middleton. We need to get you an emoji based
2: like, Yeah, yeah, you know, I knew I do need to do that. Uh you know, I've just been mnemonic. calling you Nikki Marge for so long. My brain Kate,
1: have you seen rookie of the year? No. Oh, man. Okay. The, the It's the movie where the 14-year-old oh, yes, pitches for yes, the Cubs. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay, yes. But his his name is Henry Rowengarder, and one of the best bits in the movie is that the manager says his name differently yes, every single time, which is what you are now doing yes, with Nick it Markavich.
2: is. I'm sorry, Nikki Marge. Uh, be more consistent, and I'll say your name right. Um, but yeah, I, I...
0: Hard but fair.
2: The stuff is... Fine, uh, but I think I, I I think there's more in there that is untapped, and so he would be my I think maybe flexin and then Nikki Marge, and we let Justin Dunn work on some things in AAA possibly.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny that Justin Dunn like has always been profiled as like a a sixth starter, even like when a sixth starter didn't <laughs> exist. You know, it's like the NBA, like oh he's a third <laughs> guard, so like okay he's not anything and now we're like okay we actually can play six starters so we can have a three guard lineup like yeah you know what i love i think justin dunn is kind of in a good spot
2: here's what i love about justin dunn as a reliever i think he has the attitude of a high leverage reliever like if you could get his stuff to the point where you could be putting him in i think he he's got that like swagger that you need in a late innings reliever uh, he's got, you know, kind of gets on the mound and does that head thing. I'm doing it at home. None of you can see me. It looks very cool though. Uh, yeah, I can see mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So he's got that. And, um, and then I love the idea that like Sheffield could start a game and Dunn could come in and like help preserve it later on. And then they could celebrate together and they're best friends. So that just makes me, that idea makes me happy. I'm, I'm warming to this Dunn as reliever idea is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think that they should at least try. This could be a year of just trying things, you know, as Kylie Jenner once said, the year of realizing things.
0: <laughs> Poet Laureate. Um, the, yeah, they, they need a little bit more still, I think. They, I would love for Dunn and Margavich's to be the like true depth options, like, cause someone's gonna get hurt. They were very fortunate and they did a really good job, I think, keeping people healthy, but like, They're going to have basically everyone be unable to go 180 innings or going to have a tough time just because so many pitchers didn't do that the year before. So I would love to see them add at least one more big person, uh, medium who?
2: But who? Who?
0: Uh, I mean – Taiwan Walker is absolutely yes. the the easiest fit, and I think makes sense, and I think would be happy about coming back. He's I would be happy
2: about it pissing off Mikey, who doesn't think Taiwan is very good, and for well, Taiwan <sighs> to personally take yeah. that and just shove it down <laughs> Mikey's throat for the upcoming year.
0: Um, well, I think Mikey mm-hmm. has a you know Mikey has a point because Taiwan has a lot of pitches that are not necessarily. Don't don't jump off the page statistically. Like he has got some decent velocity for a f- starter, but like he doesn't miss bats at the rate you'd expect, and he doesn't have that big sort of out pitch breaking mm-hmm. ball. Um, and where we are, modern baseball wise, like having a ninety three to ninety five mile per hour fastball as a starter isn't earth shattering anymore. But like he can go start, you know, twenty five to twenty eight games, and I think that'd be pretty solid you know and, and and whether that's him whether that's you know Chris Archer whether that's uh you know I mean even you could you can go kind of wild with it if you're starting six pitchers like and the Mariners have enough depth that it's not the end of the world if one or two of these people don't work out but like you can sign you know Tyler Chatwood see if you can get some more out of him like Go wild with it. Just get at least one more sort of higher upside person. That's that's where I'm at on it.
2: I love the idea of Chris Archer. I'm worried about his arm, but yeah, I mean I, mean, I like that. Go hog wild. Just sign all the pitchers and then trade yeah. them all.
1: Always better. Always better to have too many than not enough.
2: Uh, I would also throw Paxton's name in here. Um, I think we were talking about it a little in the Slack today, and all of us said we would be comfortable with Paxton on a two-year deal. I think Scott Boris is the person who would not be comfortable. I think even James Paxton would be happy on a two- year deal and being able to come back to Seattle and like he's just resume a quiet life far, far away from New York., uh, but I think Scott Boris would like physically throw himself between the pen and the contract were that were that the case. I mean, he's probably out there waxing poetically right now about how James Paxton is like, waffles on sunday morning like comforting yet unexpectedly wonderful i don't i don't know it's it's scott boris bullshit a, season uh, if
1: you oh you were real close i thought you were gonna do a maple syrup thing. oh i could have really tied i think that's a, maybe where together. i started
2: but then my brain broke trying to think about the actual bullshit that comes out of his mouth all the time so oh yeah
1: for anyone who needs a laugh, look up what Scott Boris has been saying at like the virtual winter meetings. He said something about how Jackie Bradley is peanut a butter, peanut butter and jelly peanut sandwich. And jelly sandwich. No, because he's smooth, because he's smooth, and you spread him around. And then like, has he ever made a <laughs> sandwich before? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Slash seen Jackie Bradley Jr., who I can't imagine was like super thrilled about that comparison. But yes, yeah, is I'm surprised there's not like a Twitter bot. Uh, what Scott Boris said just seems ripe for a mashup
0: human PB wanna... is a real sticky mess and I yeah I would love I think JBJ to get a different opportunity for uh for it oh yeah
1: yeah I want to point out one more thing on the Taiwan Walker potential deal which is not baseball related at all but so Keenan Middleton who we've just added wears number 99 which I love especially for a reliever uh if he wears that and the Mariners re-sign Taiwan Walker as we all sort of expect him to Taiwan could potentially choose another jersey number. He wore 99 most recently. And if he did that, that would be his fifth jersey number in Seattle alone, which is fucking insane. He came up wearing 27 and then switched to 32 for Corey Hart, of all people, and then he went to 44, which I think is like his preferred number, but when he went to Arizona, that was Paul Goldschmidt's number, so he picked 99 and then brought that to Seattle when he returned. Now there's another 99, improbably, which could lead Taiwan Walker to go with double zero, which he wore in Toronto. I'm going to really be monitoring that if the Mariners sign him. I want the first piece of news to be what jersey number he's wearing but i just want to put that out in the world mainly if any like actual reporters I, or beat writers are listening please ask what the jersey i appreciate number that is. matthew
2: we need more jersey wonks around more uniform based commentary just in general double
1: zero would be tight i would love him oh, to double zero.
2: zero would be excellent i love that middle i didn't know middleton wore 99 wears 99 because he throws yeah. 99 maybe uh you, probably you're more yeah. like 97.1 right now keenan so let's let's bring it up a little uh but yeah i love i love the swagger of wearing a 99
1: it's a great reliever number two you know it's like you know wild thing absolutely from the movie and mitch williams also i guess his more famous for something he did poorly but that's not important keenan middleton welcome to the team is what we're trying to say
2: absolutely <laughs>
1: All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Lookout Landing Podcast. I'm on Twitter at mroberson 22 Kate is on Twitter at Kate Preuser And John is at John Troupin. Keep your eyes on LookoutLanding.com and John and Kate, whatever energy you were putting out into the world recently, keep that coming because it led to the Mariners actually (laughs) doing things we can talk about. And specifically doing
2: something I specifically asked them to do in our non-tender trade targets piece. Yeah. I I specifically asked for Middleton and I got him. Early Christmas for Kate.
0: (laughs) I know we're logging off here, but I do want to say like we do a lot of like free agent previews and target stuff because... We like doing that and it's fun to write it up, but like almost none of it comes to pass. And it is mostly just like, oh, I now know a lot about this future, you know, LA Dodger or Chicago White Sox player. <laughs> like, so when it happens like this and it's like, oh, we wrote a bunch about that person and they signed that, I mean, it rules.
1: It
2: delightful, feels good. So, Kate, really
1: Kate riding
0: on Cloud Nine.
2: Absolutely. Today, 100%. I am. <laughs>
1: It also allows us to speculate that maybe Jerry Depoto does read <laughs> Lookout Landing. Who's to I say? I mean, to be fair, Who's I was say?
2: not the only one uh, chomping at the bit for Middleton. There were others in the Seattle baseball community who wanted to see him here. Because when you throw 90 in the high 90s and you're 27 and have limited mileage on your arm, that's you know, you're know you just going to be desirable to anyone. I saw some Red Sox fans sad that they didn't get to sign him. But guess what? For once, it works out to be in the Northwest, baby!
1: let's go yeah and we can rescue Keenan from if he didn't like Angels fans can't imagine he would like Red Sox (laughs)
0: fans (laughs) yeah come on (laughs)
1: Uh, alright y'all thanks for listening enjoy the holiday season stay safe and warm and we'll chat with you next week goodbye bye take what two say, we choose to free the